faith. We've been on faith. And we're going to continue in this theme as we've continued to talk about faith. And the thing that we have to remember is that through the eyes of faith is how we're going to see what God has for us. And that's the title for today's message, Through the Eyes of Faith. How many of you have ever heard of this word, an audio stereogram? Anybody know what an audio stereogram is? Auto stereogram. All right, good. I didn't know what it was called either. But this is what an audio stereo, auto stereogram is. You seen these images? Yeah, those books, the magic eye book, where you have this image that is two-dimensional. But this two-dimensional image, as you look at it, reveals a three-dimensional image inside of it. How many of you see what's on the screen? Anybody see the, the image inside of it? You see that? It, has it popped out yet? Good. I have a paper. I'll show it to you later. Don't worry about it. An audio stereogram is this repetition of this imagery, and you only see it statically until you let go and allow what was always there three-dimensionally to be exposed in your eyes. And you and I, as we face things in our lives, many times we see a static 2D image, but God has put within it a three-dimensional object that as you look through the eyes of faith becomes revealed. The world has a saying, and I'm going to say it is going to come up right behind me. Seeing is... That's what the world says, right? Seeing is believing. But that is contrary to what God tells us. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 20, it says that Thomas, he, he had heard that Jesus was alive. Naomi had seen Jesus. Mary had seen Jesus. Peter had seen Jesus. John had seen Jesus. A whole bunch of people had seen Jesus. And this is what Thomas said. If I don't stick my finger in the hole, I won't believe it. And that is the mentality that in our humanity, many of us carry. I need to see it in order to believe it. It's why many of us never get out of the hole that we're in, in our marriage or with our children or in our workplace or with any of the different things that we're involving because we want to see it before we believe it. Which is why when we're, we forgive our spouse, but something happens, you immediately bring back because, oh, I haven't seen you. See, I knew it wasn't going to last. Because we're going from a mindset of seeing to believing instead of what Jesus said. See, Jesus in his grace, Jesus in his mercy, he shows up and he goes up to Thomas. And this is what he says. Come on, stick your finger in the hole. He puts out his leg and he's like, come on, stick your finger in the hole. Thomas does it. And then Jesus says to him, Thomas, because you have seen, you have believed. But blessed are those who believe without seeing. Church, are we living a life of seeing of belie is believing? Or are we living a life of faith that says believing before seeing? See, that's what faith is. Faith is believing before seeing. And from what Jesus told Thomas, we can extrapolate this. Believing before seeing brings forth a blessing. If you can believe it before you see it, there's a blessing attached to it that comes. Why? Because Jesus said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. 
See, you and I, we need to do this. We need to reprogram ourselves to look through the eyes of faith, to see through the eyes of faith. Go with me to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 13 is where we're going to be this morning. Numbers chapter 13. And I'll give you a little synopsis of where we find ourselves here in Numbers chapter 13. The, the children of Israel, they've gone on out and they're getting to the promised land, the land of Canaan. And God tells Moses, send some spies out, one from each tribe to go look. And this is the instruction from Moses to these men. In Numbers 13 verse 17, it says, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and he said to them, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is. If you have your Bible, underline that. See what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak. He says, whether they are few or many. And whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad. And whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds. And whether the land is rich or poor. And whether there are trees in it or not. One more time. He's telling them, go check it out. Go see what's there. Then he reminds them this. He continues to say this in verse 20. He says, be of good courage. And bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time of the season of the first was of the first ripe grapes. Verse 21 says, They went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob near Libo Mehameth. And they went up into the Negev and came to Hebron. Aiman, Sheshai, and Telemai, the descendants of Anak, were there. And they came to the valley of Eshkol and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes. Now, this is mind-blowing right here. The single cluster of grapes, look what it says there, they carried it on a pole between two of them. I've never gone to the supermarket and bought a cluster of grapes that I needed somebody to help me carry. This is what the land was. Now, how many of you know that seeing that should have been a confirmation of all that God had promised. But that's not what took place. You continue reading, and it says in verses 25, it says, they, after the end of 40 days, they returned from spying the land. They came to Moses, Aaron, and all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation, showed them the fruit of the land, and they told them, we came to the land, to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. However. The people who dwell in the land. Are strong. The cities are fortified. And very large. And besides. We saw the descendants. Of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. See, what happened was that these men came back and they saw the goodness of the land, but they saw the obstacles in the land. And this is where Caleb steps up and says in verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. 
See, this is what faith does. Faith allows us to see through the obstacle. Be reminded, we're never promised that everything's going to be perfect when we come to God. What we were promised was that he would never leave us or forsake us. And through the obstacle, we can see God. Through the problem in front of us, we don't need to see the 2D imagery. We need to focus on him and reveal what is behind it. Caleb looked and said, yeah, the people are big, but our God is bigger. And how are we looking at the things in front of us? Are we looking at the, at, the, at the stereogram? Are we looking at it and only seeing the 2D imagery? Or are we looking at it and allowing our eyes to connect to the imagery that was in it? When we see the obstacles in front of us, do we only see it? Or do we look at the God that sent us and that in the same way he sent us, he's going to see us through? What are we doing and through what are we looking? Are we looking in the natural eyes or are we looking through the supernatural or through the Holy Spirit to be able to have the faith to see through the obstacles? You know, you read verse 31. It says, then the men who had gone up with him, they said, we're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land and they had, that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of a great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them." Here's what they did. They took the blessing and only saw the obstacle. And this is what I wrote as a thought on this. Faith is not based on our opinion. Faith is not based on our opinion. Go back, same chapter, go back to verse 17 and 18 and listen to the instruction of Moses to the spies. You ready? Listen to what he said. He said, go into the land of Canaan, into the Negev, and go into the hill country and see what the land is. Whether the people who dwell are strong or weak, whether they're few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they dwell in are camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. They were never told to go and come back and, and tell them if we can do it or not. They were told to go check out the land and what was in it. But what happened? These men came back and added their opinion to it. These men came back and said, what well, God promised is good, but I don't think we can do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's a promise from God, but not from me. It's going to require too much effort. Oh, I'm a little grasshopper next to that giant. I can't do this. And church, many times you and I fail to reach the blessings that God has for us because we allow our opinion to dictate or kill our faith. We're believing for something, but in the minute that there's something more difficult or an obstacle, we don't allow faith to see through the obstacle. We allow our opinion to rule our mindset. And our faith is quenched. And we do what the next thing that happens is. 
we allow rebellion to come forth. See, being led by our natural eyes can bring forth rebellion. What do I mean by that? Chapter 14, we're not going to read it now, but you can read it later. I hope you did last week's homework of reading 1 Kings and everything that God had done there. But any which ways, you can read chapter 14 later on. It says that all of the congregation got riled up. It says that they all went there and started grumbling against Moses. And they all got there and said, Egypt, oh, Egypt, let's get somebody and go back to Egypt. Let's go back to slavery. Let's go back to where we had things, where we didn't have it. They were being beaten to the bone, doing all these things to have it. Let's go back to there because this obstacle is way too big. And many times we rebel against God's best because we allowed our opinion to come in instead of what God said. We don't go by our opinion. We go in faith by what God says, where God showed us to go. If he said it, we believe it, and we spring forward. And that's the question. How am I seeing the situation in front of me? Does it look bleak? Perhaps. But what can God do through it? What is he going to bring out Am I only there? You know, as, as I was reading and looking up on these things of these audio, auto stereograms, I've had them. When I was a classroom teacher, I had a book about it. I had a poster up in my classroom. And, and you look at these things. There's some people who never, ever see it. Let me ask you that question. How many of you have seen one of those auto stereograms before and not been able to see the imagery? Anybody be honest. Never been able to see the imagery. All right. And what happens? We don't even try to look again. I've never been able to. I just don't have the ability. I can't do it. And then somebody else goes to look at it and like, oh, look, I see. It's like, yeah, right. I was talking to somebody after first service. I was like, yeah, this is what's in the image. I'll tell you later. I don't want you to you know, think about that right now. And we'll figure it out. And I was like, this is what's in the image. And they're like, for real? I was like, yes, it's what's there. I can see it. But many times we allow people who haven't experienced it, who can't see it, to give us their opinion and say, you won't be able to see it either to the point where we don't even try to look again. To the point where what we want to do is go back to our slavery, go back to our bondage, go back to our Egypt, but not Caleb. Caleb looked and said, let's go right now. As a matter of fact, in chapter 14, when Caleb and Joshua hear everybody grumbling, complaining, and wanting to go back, it says that they ripped their clothes like, and tore their, their, out and saying, what is wrong with you? No! If God said go, let's go now at once. And many times, you and I, we allow the obstacle which is great I'm not denying there was an obstacle. Notice here, Caleb didn't look and say, no, 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 there's no giants in the land. He didn't deny the obstacle. What he did was see through the obstacle at the God that was going to give him the victory. I'm sure that they, if we, when I get to heaven, I want to ask him, but I can just imagine this. He stood on what he had seen. What had happened in the weeks leading to this point? They had seen all the plagues in Egypt. Then they go out into the wilderness, and when they're out in the wilderness, they're faced with a giant obstacle called the Red Sea. 
They get out there and they get to the sea and there's a sea behind them and the army of Egypt chasing from behind. And they got there. And God told Moses, extend your rod. And he extends it and the sea parts. Caleb and these other spies had walked on dry land because God had parted the obstacle. Not only did God part the sea, but when they got to the other side and the Egyptians tried to chase them, God closed the sea. So the very obstacle that God delivered them from was used by God to destroy their enemy. And Jade, Joshua and Caleb, they get there and they say, let's go now at once. They didn't deny the obstacle. They knew that God had said to go. What else could they have been remembering? The fact that there was no water and God brought it forth from a rock. The fact that there was no food, but manna appeared every morning for them to eat. All of the things that God had done deterred them from having an opinion on the matter because the one who has the ultimate authority had said to go. What is it that you and I are seeing? What is the obstacle that we are giving honor to the obstacle and allowing it to destroy our faith instead of looking through the obstacle through the eyes of faith to what God has promised? God has made promises and blessings upon you, your family, your children, your generations and descendants. What are we going to believe? What are we going to see? What are we going to speak? I wrote the thought down this way. Seeing through the eyes of faith allows us to see the hidden image. Seeing through the eyes of faith will allow us to see the hidden image. God has a plan. But he will see you through whatever obstacle stands in front. Let me remind you of something. Even though we are carnal... If we pinch ourselves, it hurts. It leaves a mark. We're not fighting a carnal battle. Even though you and I are in the flesh, the Bible tells us that we are living and fighting a spiritual fight. This is why Ephesians, when it talks about the armor, it says that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And do you know what? The demonic realm is real and Satan is real. And the guy is a master strategist. Why do I say that? Ephesians chapter 6, it says that you put on the armor to be able to withstand the schemes. Some translations uses the word wiles. When you look in the original, the definition of the word is the schemes. You're able to stand against the schemes of the enemy. I don't know how many of you have ever played sports or watched sports, but when you're going into a game, there's a set of coaches that scout the other team. They look and, and prepare a game plan. In football, an offensive coordinator is going to create a game plan against the defense of the opponent. The defensive coordinator is going to create a game plan or a schematic defense against the offense of the opponent. A pitcher is going to study what are the weaknesses of each of the batters they face. A hitter is going to look at what are the strengths of the pitchers they're going to face. There's scheming involved. And the enemy... I'm going to get very spiritual for some of y'all, and that's all right. In the spiritual fight that we are fighting, 
There is such a thing as the generational demonic influences in our families. They're called generational curses, which the Bible says, not David Perez, they go to the third and fourth generation. People talk about having experiences spoken to a dead person. And they're like, oh, I saw my grandma. And only she would have known this. No, you didn't see your grandma. It was the familiar demonic spirits that have been following your family that spoke to the person who said what they were seeing. We see it happen in the book of Kings with Saul when he wants to talk to Samuel. It's real. I'm going somewhere else. The Holy Spirit. Listen, we need to be aware of what we allow, what we watch, what we put in. Because the demonic realm is real. The angelic realm is real. The Bible says in the book of Daniel that he prayed and fasted for an answer. And the response came weeks later. And the first thing that the angel with the response says was, as soon as you prayed, I was dispatched. But I was fighting the prince of Persia to get here. Last week, we talked about keep praying. You and I, when we don't see the answer, don't quit, don't give up. Keep praying. Keep fighting. Keep believing. Keep going back to look for the cloud. Keep doing it. And when the obstacle's in front of us, see through the eyes of faith through the obstacle. Because when we see through it, we're going to get to the other side. Can you put the second slide up real quick? Is the one that has faith real big. You know, we look at that up there, and you can see two things in that block of faith. You can choose to focus on the big white box, or you can see through the box and see the word faith. What do we see? The obstacle or the end result through faith? Do we see the giants and say, forget it, I can't? Or do we remember that he who promised is faithful? See, if you were doing your, if you're doing the Bible reading in a year and you're up to date, more or less, you're at the end of Joshua. And as Joshua's ending his life, getting to the end, it says that everything that God had promised Israel had come to pass and not a word had failed. Can I tell you, it's the same God whom you and I serve. If he promised it, you and I need to believe it because the one who promised is faithful. He promised, I have you in the palm of my hand. He said, serve me and you and your household will be saved. What are we doing? Are we backing down to the giant or are we saying, God, if you sent me, you will defend me? You know what it says there at the end of Joshua? It says, your enemy was greater than you. But with God, one put a thousand to flight. Can you think about the fact that these groups of Israel would go into cities with a thousand people and destroy an army of a hundred thousand? There's another instance where it says that there was the group of Israel that went against the Ethiopian army of a million people and had the victory. Time and time again, you read how God used small to overpower the big. Why? Because of faith. So you're right in the natural I'm but a grasshopper, but I'm not fighting in the natural, and I'm not doing it alone. 
I'm walking where God told me to go. And if God sent me, he'll walk me through it and the victory will come. We need to look through the eyes of faith. Look through the eyes of faith. Look through the eyes of faith. No matter what we see, worship team, if you can come to the altar, I'm giving you a moment because I know most of you gave up your seats and you're outside. We look through the eyes of faith. The obstacle is real. What is the reality? Let's be, let's be real for a second. The market ain't doing well. They just signed something. It rocked me to my core yesterday for a second if I was, when I read it. The fact that starting May 1st, if you have a good credit score, they're going to have higher penalties and higher interest rates to subsidize the ones with bad credit. I read that yesterday. I was like, who the heck is coming up with this policy? This is absurd. Watch, 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 watch. My provider ain't this government. There's more illnesses and diseases and viruses that have ever been known to mankind. My healer's name is Jesus Christ. The things that our kids are exposed to are worse than ever before. But God is their protector. He is the shield around them. We are not trusting in man. We are looking at the obstacle. We know it's there, but I don't see the obstacle. I see through the eyes of faith through the obstacle. I cut ties with the ones that are only talking about the Amalekites and the Jebusites and all the otherites that were in the land. And I'm reminded of what my God has already done. This morning we worship, bless the Lord, oh my soul. I read to you Psalm 103, who healed me, who redeemed me, who forgave me, who restored me. Can I tell you something? I'm a wretched sinner. But the blood of Jesus made me clean. And in the same way, you're a sinner. But Jesus makes you clean. We don't deserve it. We sure as heck cannot earn it. But Jesus said yes. And if you and I can have the faith, oh God, to believe that his sacrifice redeems us to have eternal life, why can't we have the faith that the home that we're trying to buy will come, that the kid we're praying for will be saved, that the cancer we're fighting will be healed, that the paper that's held up in court will suddenly open up. If we have the faith to believe for one, we got to stir it to believe it for all because it's all real or it's all fake. There's no in between. You believe it all or you don't believe it at all. Ever remember taking a true and false test at school? Those were tricky questions. And you read the sentence. And let me tell you, the question could be a sentence long or an entire stinking paragraph. And if everything in there was true, but one word was not, guess what? The whole statement was false. And here's what the enemy, part of his scheme has been for centuries. If we get that faction to doubt this part of God, then you know what? Everything else will follow down that path. Because if one part is fake, it's all fake. 
So do we choose to believe that it's true? Do we have the eyes of faith to see through the obstacles? Knowing, not thinking, knowing that what he said is true. I am under a promise. I shall live and not die to declare the glories of the Lord. God is my provider. He's my deliverer. He's my vindicator. He's my right hand. He is the shield. He is my buckler. He is my sword. Under his wings, I am covered. Oh my gosh, so many verses. He is the one that can. Do we prioritize him? Or do we focus on the obstacle? I want you to stand to your feet this morning. And this is what I challenge you to do. I challenge you to take a moment, examine your life, and see the obstacle. And as you see the obstacle, can you put the, the, the thingy back up? As you see the obstacle, stare at it. Take a second and wait till the image is revealed. And what is it in your life that right now looks static, but in it, there is a victory that God has promised and will come to.